welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where we are sexy, we are fun, we're the class of 1991. I'm Patrick Mathers, the pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship, and... I'm Brian Gumpy. I was four years old in 1991. <laughs> How dare you? That wasn't in diapers anymore. How dare you be four? Ah, <laughs> uh, I feel like an ah uh, old. That's what I feel like. When I've you said say this that. before. I think I have more gray hair than you do. Yeah, a lot of people do. That's the truth. So one of the guys at work this week came in, and me and another fellow were standing around talking, and he's like, hey, how, when did you guys start growing your gray beards? And then he looked at both of us and was like, well, you, and turned to the other guy because I only have like one or two yeah. little whiteies growing. But yeah. yeah. Hey, well, I graduated a long time ago, but speaking of young kids, you were four. Speaking of young kids, your daughter... Yesterday, you know, so when I come home and your daughter's over at our house quite a bit, Mm -hmm. when I come home, oftentimes she's excited about something that happened in the day and tells me probably something similar that you guys get from school. She comes home and says something. (laughs) I know exactly. Well, yesterday she says, guess what, Pat? I said, what, Zoe? And she goes, today at Dutch Bros, I've got a small chocolate milk. And that's not like, what I expected. You I say. was like, really? Small, huh? And I'm like, because normally you get a kid size. And she said, yes, <laughs> I got a small chocolate milk. And I'm like, how long do you think it's going to be before you get to a medium? And she's like, her eyes got all big. Like she hadn't put those pieces together yet. She was still so excited that she got a small today that there could be a medium in her future blew her mind. <laughs> I love your daughter. Me too. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about her telling you that weird stuff or creepy stuff creepy happens stuff. at 3 a.m. No. Okay. So, so how did that, how did that come up? Me and okay. Rachel were wondering. Okay. okay. So we were, we were watching Peppa Pig with everybody. And then, um, Zoe switched it to one of the YouTube gamer channels that she watches. Oh gosh. And it was, uh, something about my neighbor, you know, that neighbor game where the neighbor comes and tries to kill you. Yeah. Hello neighbor. Hello neighbor. It was that one. (laughs) Hello neighbor where the neighbor comes and tries to kill you. Yeah. Basically. That's a creepy game. You're supposed to hide from the neighbor. Yeah. The neighbor's like the bad guy. You're supposed to get into his basement. That's the... Oh, you're the creepy one then. You're supposed to get into their basement. No, because there's, because he's doing creepy weird stuff. So you're trying to investigate. I'm a you're, terrible parent. You're doing some uh, detective work. <laughs> Why are you doing a terrible parent? <laughs> no wonder my daughter thinks creepy stuff happens at 3 a.m. Well, okay, well, I don't know about the 3 a.m., but here's what happened. So, so she put on a video of a guy playing that game. It's not all that creepy. It's a little odd, I'll right, be honest. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I could see how some kids might get a little weirded out by it. But I don't know. It was like more of like a mind puzzle game to me with a tiny little bit of uh, a creepy element to it. But anyways, so she puts that on and she's like, and there was one thing that happened where there's like this dummy that's a teacher. And I'm like, that's kind of creepy. And I use that word and I think that triggered it. And she's like, ah, creepy things. I know what creepy things happen at three in the morning, just like that, like all like sinister. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Zoe? And she's like, ah, creepy things. And so I texted that to you, and then you showed me all those classmates saying, Zoe's a creeper. 
It, oh, so she has this book. She was the frog of the week in her class because her class is the frogs. Um, and uh, She's student of the week, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So on the first page of this frog of the week book, it's like Zoe writing something like, I'm the frog of the week and I like Christmas, I think is what she did. Sure. And and then each kid gets a page that says blank is frog of the week. Zoe's frog of the week. And they write in Zoe and Zoe likes whatever. And the first like seven pages, so these first seven <laughs> kids, so that Zoe likes creepy things. And there's all these different drawings. And there's one that like we're trying to figure it out. It looks like it's a well. Scribbles in a, and yeah. one is yeah. like a dresser. And then another one is like this sweet monster. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's like a bunch that say she likes leopards. And then a bunch a, a likes few, Christmas. A few Christmases, mm-hmm. one mac and cheese. <laughs> I like that kid. Yeah. Hey, so this is our 91st episode. That's why I did the sexy fun thing in the very beginning. Um, this is our 91st episode. We're getting close to 100. 100. Is that the way you're supposed to say it? 100. 100. 100. It. H-U-N-N-I-T. Hunnit. Yeah, hunnit. Not hunted. No. Hunted. Hunted is fine. Well, hunnit. Who's who's gonna quibble if I say hunted or hunted? Hunted. Yeah. I would quibble if you said hunted. Why? Because that's not what that's not what you're trying to say. Well, I, it's like I, when, I am not when, entirely sure what I'm trying to say. When we first got <laughs> married, I don't know why this was a thing then, but I would look at Rachel after I was explaining something. I would go, "Not a mean," and she would try to say it back, and she would say. Know what I mean? No. <laughs> and she's like, did I do it? I'm like, no, no, you go, not a mean? Not a mean. Do you know what I mean? And she would just like say it faster, every single like syllable and letter. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Did I, did I, did I do it? <laughs> no. no she shouldn't not. try. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's pretty good. She's from Oregon. <laughs> what does that mean, Brian? <laughs> Oregon people are dumb. No, it means they're extra white. They're extra white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can't say cool things? Wickety white. Not slang. Not cool slang. I'm not from no. Oregon. No. I struggle with hunted. <laughs> <laughs> what are we even talking about? Oh. Oh, Brian. Oh, Brian. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> there's like three people that listen to... Well, there's three people that listen to us. So one of the three is going to get that reference. <laughs> There's three people that listen to us. <laughs> the, Which, uh, by the way, to the three of you out there listening, thank you. Ah, a boy or girl, we love you. We love you so much. We're so thankful that you listen to us and have endured for 91 episodes. Or maybe not. Maybe just started in and... 90 and a half. 90, they haven't finished this yeah, one yet. Yeah, well, we haven't finished this one yet. Ah! <laughs> wow, that's weird to think about. Time is an interesting concept, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, this is one of my singular formative moments in my walk with Jesus. There, there are, we've said this, I think, on the podcast. If we haven't, well, here it comes. Uh, you, you remember very, very, very few sermons that you actually hear. You know, I can think of like right. a handful, you know, over the course of my 20, you know, five years of walking with the Lord now. 23, 24, 24 years of walking with the Lord. And um, the reason is, is most sermons are formative, 
you know, they're, they're chronic, they're not acute. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you need to hear an acute sermon, something that just is so radical, so earth-shaking, so revolutionary, and maybe the person preaching didn't mean that, but that's the way God uses it in your life, that it just sticks with you for a long time. Well, Peter's denial of Christ is one of those sermons for me. In fact, it is the very first sermon that I remember vividly hearing, and it was at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, and Larry Taylor was the president of the Calvary Chapel Bible College back then, and he was guest speaking, I believe it was a Thursday night, and he preached on Peter's denial, and I still have my Bible with my notes that I took that night. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's an old Schofield reference Bible, of course, mm-hmm. a New King James Version, but took notes that night, and that was the night where uh, the Lord really convicted me, I have to go to Bible college. I need to study, and I need to do this to become a pastor. And I just Were you thought, still at the camp? No, no, no. I this this is. I'm not sure. This is a few months after that. Okay, because I remember it was like really quick. Oh, dude, you know what? Can I give a side note? Yes, Dude, you may. Thank I you for asking, though. I was convicted this week, because you know how I say at my old church, I don't remember hearing the gospel. You remember that? Like yeah, at the, yeah, you, yeah. You know what? So we had a pastor there, and he gave a benediction, and it goes like this. I think I've even used you this. You have, yeah. And now by a dying Savior's love, a resurrected Savior's power, an ascended Savior's prayer, and a coming Savior's glory, rest and abide upon you one and all. And may the God of love be our portion and the God of love our partner from this day on and forevermore. That's the gospel. I did hear the gospel. Every week. And, and it got in my mind. And I didn't even realize it. But mm-hmm. see, that's, that was what the blindness of sin does. You know, you, you can hear the gospel and until the Lord opens your eyes by the Holy Spirit, you know, you, you're not going to hear it. You don't right. have ears to hear and eyes to see. And so I was, I, I just wanted to say that because this week I was thinking about it. It was like <gasps> all these years. And I didn't realize it until just this week I thought about That's it. Awesome. Anyways, <clears throat> Peter's denial is one of those passages that is super formative for me. And it, it isn't just because hearing this sermon, it was the way it was presented. And it was, I felt like a denier of Christ so much that I had a really hard time reconciling my attitude, my heart with somebody who is a faithful follower and somebody who walks with the Lord. But Peter's denial really got to me. So I'm looking at it in Luke, in Luke chapter 22. It appears in, I think, um, the first three, the Synoptic Gospels, I don't think it appears in John. Maybe it does. No, the restoration appears in John. Um, no, Matthew 18, or John 18, I think, has it. Let me turn there real quick and, and just look for clarity's sake. John 18. Oh, yeah, Peter denies Christ. Yeah, it's just a tiny little one. It's like four verses, but yeah, it's in all four Gospels. But this one in Luke. Um, so here's what happened. Christ was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was that whole instance of, of him sweating great drops of blood and him praying, Lord, if there's any other way to um, save people, then let's do it that way. That's my paraphrase. But um, then the whole army or whole cohort comes against Jesus 
Um, they come to take him. He tell he allows the disciples to escape, and they run away. And when they do, um, they take Jesus and they take him to his trials that he was to have there at night um, in front of the Sanhedrin. And Peter and John followed at a distance. They they like uh, John apparently had some connections there in the high priest's house, and so he was able to get get them in. So Peter and John follow Jesus. So v- verse 54 is where I'm picking up the story. And chime in with stuff when you, when you oh, have I a will. thought there, essay. Yep. So then they seized him, Jesus, and led him away, bringing Jesus into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. When they had, now I've heard before and probably in this sermon that that was the first mistake Peter made. Although he made plenty of mistakes earlier on, falling asleep and not praying and whatnot. Sure. Then his heart wasn't prepared for this. But the first one was following it at a distance rather than following closely to him. Oh, I don't know. It. I don't know how much of that is just like, like details of here's what actually happened. <clears throat> or if Luke's actually trying to say that here's the beginning of where you see Peter deny. I, I don't think so. I think it's just facts, right? Yeah, like, that's definitely not how I would have read it. Right, but. right, right. So then verse 55. I would assume that he's following at a distance because he don't want to get caught up. Either that or, I mean, it's a big crowd. Yeah. You're not getting close to Jesus once they arrested him anyways. Mm-hmm. But he's following him. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard of the high priest's house, they sat down together. Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the light, looked closely at him and said, this man was also with him. So you can picture the the scene. You know, you've been around campfires before. People's faces look a little different, right, than they do in the middle of the day. So you can imagine Peter, he's following. He wants to see what's going on. His mind is on Jesus. His mind is not on getting caught, I don't think, by this little girl or any of these people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would you even go? Right. Right? If you, if you were really worried about getting caught, you He's just not wouldn't worried about show up. No, yeah. not at this point. So this, this girl, this servant girl, standing by the fire just like everybody else warming themselves, and she looks and looks at him and then recognizes him, and she, like you know, people sometimes do, blurts out, this man was also with him. And so all of a sudden, Peter is gripped, right? In the middle of something that he wasn't expecting, wasn't anticipating, he wouldn't have shown up if he was. Here, all of a sudden, he's called out for being a follower of Christ, and Christ has just been taken in to go, just have been arrested, and who knows what from there. So Peter, I think, as a knee-jerk reaction, responds, And says, he denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. So I I don't think it was necessarily at that point deliberate. I don't think he had calculated it. Like, okay, if somebody asks me, what am I going to say? Okay, I'll just deny it because there's a lot of people here and I can, you know, I don't think there was any of that kind of 
mental concoction going on. I think it was in the moment. Like, no, uh He gets called out. He's like, you were with him, you know, right. kind of thing. Just like the, the first thing out of his mouth, because that's not very convincing anyways, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh I was not. A woman, I don't even know him. Yeah, I like what he said. No, you were. <laughs> so, so he keeps warming himself by the fire, and it says, verse 56, a little... And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also were one of them. Now, by this time, Peter had denied Christ. And now he's starting probably to think, oh, man, people are people are starting to recognize me. You know, and, and I can imagine in his own head, he's like, should I stay or should I go kind of thing? You know, what would I do here? But somebody else comes up, recognizes him. But Peter says, man, I am not. I am not one of them. I am not one of the disciples. Then about an hour later, another insisted, and some gospels say this was the first girl originally, like she had gone around and talked mm-hmm. to other people and came back with this accusation. Certainly this man was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. One of the dis- gospels says that he called, he was Cursing. He cursed right. and said, now that doesn't mean like he was saying cuss words. I, I want, you know, people to, you know, understand that. What he was doing is he was calling a curse on himself. He said, may I be damned to hell if I ever knew this man. May I be cursed. That's what he was saying here in this last one. I don't know what you're talking about. May I be cursed. One of the other gospels says he probably said all of those things. And the difference is in just one recorded one phrase, one recorded another phrase. It's not a contradiction or an inconsistency. Um, You can imagine Peter stumbling over his words to just try to get something out to get the heat off of himself. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. This is important because Jesus, earlier that night, much earlier, actually the day before, had told Peter that Peter was going to deny him three times. And Peter said, nope, if everyone else denies you, I will not deny you. In fact, I'll die for you if I have to. So verse 61 says, and the Lord, he was being brought out at this point, turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying that the Lord, of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. That is the part that is just stirring, like like jarring Mm -hmm. for me to read every single time. Why is that? Flesh that out. He denies him that third time. The rooster crows. And the Lord turned and looked mm-hmm. at Peter. Yeah. And like, I don't know the context, uh, or the context. I don't know the layout of this courtyard or whatever they're in. I don't, I don't know how far apart they were. I don't know if he's got like an eye on him, like the whole time while they're sitting around this campfire and he's literally denying him in front of him. I would imagine probably not within earshot. Well, he Jesus would have been in one of the inner rooms, and it sounds like they were bringing him out into the courtyard to go to one of this his other what, trials. This is yeah. what I assume. It's just all timing. Exactly. Yeah. That's what makes it so jarring. Yeah. So he denies him, and as he t- denies him, he turns over and like makes eye contact with the man that he's yeah. denying. Yeah. 
Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Peter remembers everything. It all hits him. Dude, if that was like me talking about how I'm not even friends with you earlier today. I said, we're not there yet. We're not friends or good enough friends for me to tell you that. Yeah, what happened there? We'll talk about it on a different episode. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think we will, <laughs> unless I remember it. I didn't think there was a chance you weren't going to bring it up in the beginning part or like the <laughs> intro to an episode. Anyway. It might come up. You guys are going to have to ask Pat about that later. If If I had said something denying that I was cool with you, and then as I'm saying it, we make eye contact, that's bad enough. Let alone my Lord and Savior. Oh, jeez. Let alone yeah. the man who I know is the Son of God. I can't even imagine making eye contact with him a week later. Right. Let alone a second later. Yeah. Dude, this shakes me oh. every time I read it. Every time. Me too. Every time I read it. And in, he, he goes out and it says he wept bitterly. Yeah. And that means like... The the Greek language there is so ugly much cry. more yeah ugly like <laughs> it's literally he convulsed like a baby in the fetal position yeah that's lit- the literal language which you can totally understand that just going out and just being completely broken I've been completely broken a handful of times in my life and I can know going out and ugly crying and weeping convulsing like a baby like this so th- this particular passage. You know, for me, when I first got saved, it was both elation and like a lot of pain and agony thinking about the things that I'd gone through. I had denied the Lord. I'd put, you know, people through. So this kind of convulsing, I I totally understand. This is one of the reasons I love Peter is he's just like a real dude. Like there is is not a whole lot of... um, cosmetics put on that pig never for a second do you ever <laughs> doubt that this was a fisherman <laughs> uh, like nobody's thinking he must have been like a lawyer oh yeah no right nobody thinks no that. no no peter was the doctor right <laughs> no 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 no. he was the nope. erudite one yeah nobody ever <laughs> thinks that about peter ever no no he 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 was a chump, and I am a chump amongst chumps. I was say a man after our own heart. Yeah, so maybe he's my patron saint after all, is because <laughs> he's my chump, uh, chump partner. But anyway, so he goes out and he weeps bitterly, and he he I I don't know exactly what happened with him or to him, but at the resurrection, it says. When um, Jesus raises from the dead, he tells the people, the first the women who come and meet him in Mark 16, do, you not be, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where he is laid. But listen to this, Brian. Go tell Peter, or to, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. First thing that I want to point out is that, you know, God is so gracious. Here, in, when this angel is revealing to these women about the resurrection of Christ, God makes sure that the message gets sent to Peter. You're not done. <laughs> you're, you're not outside of grace. You're not outside of the kingdom. You're not outside of the pale. You're, you're not out. In fact, let me just 
especially point you out that you need this word of grace more than anybody else may be here in this moment. Well, yeah, it's not like later on that night, Peter and Jesus got this chance to be like, dude, are we cool? Right. No. <laughs> it's three days later and Jesus was dead for all, what everybody thought was just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, like that's where they left it. Right. And so when the word gets back to the disciples and Peter, it says Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves and he went, excuse me, marveling at what had happened that day. John's gospel adds the little footnote that Peter actually ran into the tomb, whereas John didn't. Peter just ran right on in rough shot and started pulling on the linens and seeing that he wasn't there anymore. That tracks. And that, yeah, it totally does, doesn't it? And that he has been raised from the dead. So, um, Peter, he, he, he still loved the Lord and he had this hope, you know, here he's been raised from the dead and he's the first one to get up and run and literally just run right into the tomb. That's a person who is forgiven. That's a person who understands their own sin. That's a person who understands grace. That's a person who just wants redemption so bad. And so I'm a little side note. I, I struggle with people who don't have this kind of bananas love to forgive people and to extend forgiveness to people, you know? This is Christ and this is Peter we're talking about here. And look at this kind of crazy love that he has for Peter and that Peter has for the Lord. And even in the midst of this denial of Christ, right? We can look later on in the book of Timothy and it says, whoever denies Christ, God's going to deny, right? And if we didn't have this story, we would be throwing around the fact that people are, you know, going to hell because they denied Christ right and left. But because we have this example for us in the life of Christ from no less than Peter himself, we understand that there's forgiveness even for that kind of sin. And so that grace ought to be extended to people who are who have struggled and have denied Christ with their actions and maybe even their words like Peter did. Yeah. It's not the end of the story, though, Brian. I was about to say, can we get there? Can we get there? Can we get there? It continues. In the book of John, Jesus did show up to them. I've been over here looking for it, like trying to get there. It's in John 21. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh. And Jesus did go before them to Galilee. They were all fishing, and they see somebody on the shore. And um, one of my favorite stories of Peter is John sees that it's Jesus, and Peter puts on his coat <laughs> to jump into the water and swim to shore. He wants to be decent for Jesus, so he'll swim in <laughs> some swim extra in clothes. Yeah. yeah, he puts on his coat and swims to shore. And when he gets there, at that point, Jesus had made breakfast. And I, I like to think miraculously had called into existence breakfast. That's some good breakfast, I'll tell you. Whew. So Yeah, the bacon wasn't burnt. Bacon. The, oh my gosh, it would have been amazing. They wouldn't have eaten bacon. That's why I laughed. Eating fish, yeah. <laughs> uh, fish and probably not even eggs. But um, after that, Peter, he's the focus of Jesus' attention. And Jesus says, Simon, which isn't Peter's original name, Jesus changed it to Peter. Do you love these more than me? 
I think there in that instance, he's talking about the disciples. Because remember, earlier on before he said, I will not deny you. I will even die for you. Even if all these other chumps fall away, it isn't going to be me. Right. So I think Jesus here is saying, do you really love me more than all these other guys? Wow. That's, that's cutting, right? But t- to be honest, restoration is, is not supposed to be easy. There's supposed to be a sting to it. And that sting breeds humility and compassion. And if you're going to be a leader in any capacity, you need humility and compassion. And I think that's one of the reasons Jesus restores him in this way, where he really kind of brings him to the end again. He, he's not letting him off the hook just like that. He's not, um, you know, glossing over his sin. He's bringing it up here, putting it before G- Peter's face and saying, you sure you, meant, you sure you mean this? You sure you want to follow me? And Peter, he just looked at him and says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, good, feed my sheep. And he said to them a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he says to him a third time, because of course Peter denied him three times, so he's bringing it up three times to restore him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Now it's a different Greek word, and lots of people point that out, that it's a lesser word. The first word that was given the first two times is agape, and the second, the third time, pardon me, is phileo. Agape means like pure, unconditional love, the love God has for us. Phileo is the love that we would have for our um, really good close friends. So you and me have phileo love. Um, when the Holy Spirit inspires it, it's agape, I believe, but um, some people will say he's grieved because he is questioning Peter's love. Like, do you really agape me? How about phileo? Do you even that? I, I don't think that's what it is for me. I, I could be wrong, but I think what he's doing here, the reason he's grieved the third time is because Peter gets it. Right. Right. If he had asked him one time, who, okay, I got through that the second time. And he's like, uh, and the third time he's like, all right, I denied him three times. He's He's going through this three times. I think that's where the grieving comes in. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. Like I said, restoration should have a sting. I don't think the sting was necessarily thoroughly there the first two times. Sure. That third time needed to be done so that he could be grieved, so that he really understood the weight of his sin, what Christ was doing, all of those kind of things to breed that humility and compassion that he needs because Jesus says, Or he says to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So he says, feed my sheep. If you're going to feed and tend sheep, you're going to pastor. You're going to lead in any capacity. You need humility and compassion. And here, I think really Peter had that here at this time. And then he gives him a prophecy. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and walked wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and take you, carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. And that's the restoration of Peter. I love it because I see a guy who walked so closely with the Lord, but yet blew it in such a massive major way that if we wanted to, we could point to chapter and verse and say, well, he's done. 
But we can't say he's done because Christ here restores him. And not only restores him, but restores him to the place of fruitful ministry. I mean, he wrote several of the epistles in the New Testament. He preached many sermons and acts, including the very first gospel sermon that was ever preached, baptizing 3,000 people. Well, not himself, 3,000, but um, preaching people that led to 3,000 baptisms that day. And Christ says, follow me. That I love this because Christ is so big in his love for people who have fallen, for people who've denied him, for people who have turned their back maybe on the Lord or who have um, never known him or have known him and walked away. There is hope. If you're breathing God's precious air and you have a thought in your head, there is still hope for you to turn to Christ be forgiven by him, be restored, and be brought into not only fellowship, but to fruitful ministry as well. The thing that stands out to me is when you think about the calling of the apostles and when Jesus is building up this group of dudes who he's going to be doing ministry with, Like, do you think he didn't know who who Peter was? Do you think he didn't know the kind of guy that he was, what he was about? the kind of jokes that he liked to tell, <laughs> the kind of like like thick-headed idiot that he is. And yet, not only did Jesus see fit to have that guy walk with him for all these years to establish him as somebody who is going to go and preach the gospel, but like these guys, do you think they were his friends? How yeah. could they not have been? Yeah, they were his friends. I, I I do picture them. I mean, because, dude, he kind of messes with Peter, right? He right. does that whole, like, hey, go catch a fish and pull the coin out of his mouth thing. That's funny. <laughs> he's, he's trolling him there. Yeah. For sure that's what he's doing. And there's other places, you know, where it, it, it's just funny how he treats and interacts with his disciples, you know? And I can imagine him laughing when, you know, James and John want to call down fire from heaven, and he's like... They're, put the brakes on, dude. No, we're not going to call down fire on these people. <laughs> Chill out, guys. You know, it's it. So there, there's that. Um, but yeah, they were, they were tight. And I really believe Peter thought genuinely in his head at that moment, man, I'm not going to deny you, man. I am that, I am that sure about this thing. Well, that I, just I goes, really believe him. Well, that just goes back to our last episode where yeah. people think way too highly of themselves. Yeah. And I mean, Peter is proof of that. It's it's just funny to me because I mean granted there any person who you're going to read about in the Bible is going to have moments where you could say like oh what a thick-headed idiot. I mean if my life was written spelled out for you in a book you would think it every chapter. Yeah. You know, but the Bible shows us this side of Peter. It doesn't show us that side of Daniel. And there are moments where you see that side of uh, King David, but that's not what you walk away thinking like, oh, David, he was a bumbling idiot who, you know, like, but for the grace of God, even got to just say anything and be recorded in scripture. No, you think of King David, you think of David and Goliath. Right. Or even like the thing with Bathsheba, you don't think of it like, oh gosh, no. You don't roll your eyes and just go, oh David, the way you do, where you constantly are just like, oh Peter. <laughs> no, but like I said, Bi- Jesus could have 
had his apostles be dudes like, like I said, like Daniel. Right. But we see him having Peter. And I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love that too. I, I, I'm appreciative of the Bible. Me too. <laughs> because it, it portrays people like people with warts and all. You know, m- most other religious books, if you've read them, they portray their heroes as heroes. Right. Right. And that's why it was hard for me to even think of Daniel. Right. <laughs> like well, I'm trying to think of who you're going to even, even him. I think in the beginning, there's like a hint of cockiness. Sure. We've um, talked about that before. The vegetables thing, but you're right. For the most part, it's, it's not him, uh, him being, you know, in, in grievous sin. He's dude, he's walking with the Lord, but in spite of a lot of right, uh, right, right. opposition. But to your point, where the Bible doesn't show uh, these people that way. It's hard to think of anyone else like that, really. I mean, Abraham, like, that's, there's some pretty obvious things that he did wrong there. Um, and, I mean, who else? I mean, Jacob, my no, word. Right, right. Joseph, he comes to mind as one. There's very little sin. Yeah. I think he was uh, also arrogant in the beginning when uh-huh. he was telling his brothers, Check out my coat. The dad got me. I'm gonna. You're gonna be bowing down to me one day. I think that was, that was sin. Um, right. But for the most part, you don't have sin recorded for Joseph th- throughout the rest of the story. Right. But for most people, yeah. you definitely do. Oh yeah. 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 It's a good thing you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, that that's one of my favorite stories in the whole New Testament. It gives me encouragement and hope and. Um, it gives me a lot of confidence in Christ and his, not only his ability to forgive, but um, in his, it, it, he, he sees people in a way that I don't. And so I, I want to have the eyes of Jesus towards people because I can think and justify, yeah, dude, you really are bad. You know, when in reality, maybe Christ is seeing the end and seeing restoration in that. And so I, I, I try to normally... Um, with most cases, just think the best of people, try to be gracious, try to, okay, well, how can we move forward from this? Of course, we talked about in another podcast how serious some things can be a need to be handled immediately, but um, Christ is much bigger and his grace is much more vast than um, sometimes I give an account for. Mm-hmm. What do you think, dude? Got a question? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. What defines a sport, Brian? Is fishing a sport? How about video game tournaments? Are they sports? What is a sport? This is a very open-ended question of the day. Yeah. Well, let's ask this. Here, what is a sport, and what's a what's an example of a weird one that might not be categorized. You can't use video games. Or we can talk about that, I guess. I was going to say, I think that's like a great example of one. Um, A sport. I feel like it has to be a contest. But what do you... It has to be competition. I feel like that. But people, when they talk about like, oh, like fishing. Like, you're, you're competing. I, I just do it catch and release. I do it for what? For sports. For sport. Right. Yeah. 
So uh, sport is basically like... Like people it, hunt for sport, and but like how are you competing? It's an activity that can provide entertainment? That's not... That seems... But then like music, art is sport then. No, art isn't sport. No, I agree. There's no competitive painting. Although there used to be... Did you know in the Olympics when they first re- rebooted it... Painting was in the Olympics. Dude, I just heard they're adding mountain climbing to the Olympics. Dude, that one dude who climbed El Capitan's going to win. Nobody can beat that guy. I guess. Half Dome, that's what he climbed. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's got stones, dude. <laughs> he climbs stones. He's a, that's a sport. Stone climber. <laughs> um, dude, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah? That's a difficult question of the day. What's one thing that you don't consider a sport that some other people do? Mm. I don't know. I think I'm going to be pretty liberal on that one. Cow tipping? Cow tipping? Oh, I think that could easily be a sport. <laughs> easily. <laughs> easily. Easily? Yeah. Mm. Do you, I, yeah. I don't know. Could there be competitive coffee drinking? How about the food eating contest, Nathan's hot dog? Oh, that's thing. definitely a sport. That's a sport. Yeah. Mm. If you're competing, if it's measurable, it's uh, a sport. It's easily a sport. Oh, oh I just okay. answered how hunting and fishing can be a sport. You go by weight, or lo- or distance or like, of shot, or something, or size like that, of huh? horns, or like whatever else. Yeah, dude, you stump me. I don't know. I like stumping you. This is gonna be stump an eight minute long question of the day, and this is already a long episode. <laughs> so, answer the question, which is what what constitutes a sport and what's a sport that you think is stupid (laughs) (laughs) i really want to hear that one more than anything else if i'm honest (laughs) (laughs) what's a sport you think is stupid Um, and even stupid sport players we we believe believe you you belong. belong